Okay, welcome to episode one of Apologies to the Banana. I'm Anna, and this is Denzer. Hello. And we're basically going to be talking about anime for 30 to 45 minutes. So, I guess just introduce yourself. Uh, how long have you been watching anime? What kind of genres do you tend to watch? What's a favorite? Anything you can think of? So, my name's Denzer, as stated before. And I started watching anime probably uh, when I was about five years old. My first anime, and it was Glimpses, because my older brother was really into anime at the time. Dragon Ball had just come out. So, it was Dragon Ball, actually, that first started that. But my favorite anime, as of right now... Excluding the ones that are, are going on right now, because obviously they haven't ended, and I haven't been reading the manga because I want the surprise factor, is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, specifically. I really, really, really like that narrative, and the opening to the first half of the series, perfect. Are you talking about Again? By yes, I'm yes. talking about Again. There aren't many openings that compare to Again. There's a there's a theory about that opening that was really cool, and I'll tell you about it later. Uh, as for me, our origin stories are pretty similar. Uh, my older brother got into anime one night when all our parents were at a bonfire, and we didn't want to be outside, so we turned on the TV, and lo and behold, we had Naruto, One Piece, and... Bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo, all in one night. Bo-bo-bo, I haven't heard of that one. What's Bo-bo-bo about? That is the question. <laughs> so, it's about this very tall, blonde, afroed man whose weapons are their nose, his nose hairs. And he's fighting against this villain who is making everyone else bald. <laughs> Sounds like a, an anime that I'd be into. Uh, yeah. Do you, where did you watch it on? Was it on TV at the time? Or yeah. did you have a particular streaming service that you preferred? This was in like first grade, so I don't think there was any. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, it was on Toonami, so... Any streaming service probably has it somewhere. The, the totally legal ones, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I've watched some of the stuff that you mentioned before. I did watch through all of Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. Haven't really been able to get behind Boruto. Um, One Piece. One Piece I'm actually up to date on. I mm. spent three months in 2016 getting up to the 700s in the episode count. And let me tell you, that was an adventure. <laughs> I think I gave up on One Piece somewhere in the 100s because there was still the four kids dub mm -hmm. of it because I was in that stage where I didn't want to watch the Funimation dub. For Naruto, I stopped somewhere during the Five Kage Summit because I realized the series was as old as I am, and I 
didn't want it anymore. Fair enough. And I never... No, that's not quite true. I did try one volume of Bleach. Oh. It wasn't my thing. Fair enough. I stopped on Bleach... Oh. During the... Fifth arc? Right when the a little mischief chick made and after they visit the underworld i forget her name it's been so long Mm -hmm. so that must have been 2014 when i stopped watching bleach but what's your favorite anime then that's a good question and i don't want to just say brotherhood because you just said it (laughs) i mean it's a good one It is. But there's... I would say that Oron and Fullmetal Alchemist are probably top two for very different reasons. I really like Oron as well. Oron was a really good Honey Nozukai Sampei. Can't help but love him. Heck yeah. Have I told you about who he ends up with in the manga? No. He ends up with... Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, he ends up with a member of the Black Magic Club. Interesting. Right? It is not something you would expect. Not at all. Have you heard any news on if they're going to release uh, more episodes of that? Or they just kind of scrap that project? Um... There were rumors going around that had Habricorn said they were going to do more Oron, but there's nothing been officially announced for years. And that that rumor circulated, I want to say 2015-ish, so it's been a long time. But there's that new uh, Fruits Basket, so there is hope. I have heard a little bit about that, but not too much. The anime about the people who turn into animals if they get hugged by the opposite gender? No, never mind. Basket? I've heard the name, but I didn't realize what it was. Okay. But it sounds great. (laughs) You can't... You can watch the anime for it, but it only goes about halfway through, and it... Because it only goes about halfway through, there are certain key elements about certain characters that they just get rid of, because... it's too complicated. Mm-hmm. So, personally, I would recommend just reading the manga until they come out with the 2019 anime. Gotcha. This year. Which, Laura Bailey, I don't know if you know her name. I'm, I'm not familiar. Uh, she was Lust in Fullmetal Alchemist. Mm. And... Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think. Did you play Final Fantasy Thirteen? Thirteen. Pink-haired chicks. For Ash? No. no, Lightning. 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 Played her sister. And that's about her entire vocal range. Gotcha. So you have that, like, sultry mm-hmm. of lust, and then you have this really high, soft, airy, girly voice. That's really that. impressive. Right? She... She said once in an interview that 
she hadn't gone to school for being an actor. Just one day she kind of was like, I want to be an actor. And so she did. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, she's the original voice actress for Toro Honda, the main character of Fruits Basket. So she's going to be reprising that role. Gotcha. She also is a member of Critical Role, which Mm -hmm. is the... I'm a little bit familiar with uh, Critical Role because of the RV. And so my fiance has a subscription to that. And so I've been watching all the simulcasts that are up uh, currently on that provider. But also Critical Role is also available through that same uh, web hub or whatever you want to call it, streaming service. Nice. That does make sense because the entire cast are all voice actors. So... I think all of them are, if not most of them. So, do you have any of the current animes that are are currently going out, rolling out through the 2019 year that you're watching? Anything that you find particularly interesting? Um, I haven't started it yet, but I've been meaning to start Rising of the Shield Hero. Ooh. That was a good ooh, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be another season of Hero Aka this year. Really? I know the movie was just... Uh, I don't know if it's been released yet, but I know that they were working on that movie for quite a while. The Two, two Heroes? Yep. Yep, that was um, back in... What was last semester. Was that last semester for us? to see in theaters. So many weeaboos. Kind of had to run out of the room afterwards. It was... Mm. I love you guys, but ooh. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come out on streaming or DVD or what they're going to do with that. It was it was good. A lot of fan service. N- not it, in a good way. Like, here's this character that you like. Here's uh, them doing this thing that you liked seeing them do. Gotcha. Not, not fan service as in uh, scantily clad women. But right. More like, oh, that's All Might doing his signature thing, or, or Midoriya doing his really cool thing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. It's definitely a movie to watch for the that kind of fan service, rather than the plot. The plot's very basic. Gotcha. So, but... Yeah, that was one of the uh, original complaints about My Hero, is that... Every couple of episodes, it seemed to rinse and repeat the same kind of narrative that was shown within the previous couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, season one, that was the largest complaint that I heard of. And I watched it all the way through. So I watched up till season three. I have yet to watch the movie. And I've always kind of stayed away from anime movies um, mm-hmm. simply because I, I, I sometimes they're not canon. And when they're not canon, it detracts from the narrative. And yeah. I personally like the animes for a lot of the narrative. I mean, I also grew up on Sailor Moon, so oh, I Sailor Moon. understand. No, no, you don't understand. I grew up with the VHS tapes of one, one VHS tape of Sailor Moon R in the middle of the arc. That was the only tape we had, and it was the original English dub. So instead of Usagi and Mamoru, we had Serena and Darian. I haven't watched Sailor Moon personally, although there are a lot of um, 
allusions to them throughout some of the games I play. So I play League of Legends and the Star Guardian set, pretty much all Sailor Moon-based notions. But I have a few friends who, who've watched Sailor Moon and the amount of power that they had at the end of the series was just ridiculous for magical girls. Yes. Um, for example, spoilers, the main character's final form, not even... So there's a... F- at the end of the series, there's a future version of the main character that they meet called Sailor Cosmos. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine how large her scale of power has to be at that point because this is I think it's an entirely different incarnation of her further mm. down the line but yeah it's nuts but I think that was I don't want to say it was the first magical girl anime but it's one of the ones that really popularized the the genre especially in the early 2000s one of the animes that I need to finish that is in that genre of Magical Girl is uh, Magical Girl Ori. I started watching that, completely blew off my expectations. Like I, I had no idea what to expect from it because I didn't know what it meant by the name and how it was structured. I was just browsing. But I won't, I won't share it, but it's, if you guys can find it, you might really, really enjoy that take on Magical Girls. It's pretty great, in my opinion. Did I ever tell you what Ore meant? Yeah, okay, yeah. You're good. the one that I, told me about it, and then I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but for our listeners, why don't you... Uh... So, in Japanese, there are certain... There are different words for the, for the English word I. So, for a female, generally, they use watashi or however you want to pronounce it. I don't actually speak Japanese. Uh, fun fact. Whereas if someone's very masculine, they'll use ore. So just the general premise of magical girl ore is the fact that this cute little girl transforms into this huge buff dude and goes around saving people that way. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. It's along the lines, those shock factor animes that come out every once in a while, I really, really like. One of them that came out, I'm not sure when it came out. It was on Netflix for a while, but it was called Samurai Flamenco. Mm-hmm. And right around episode 21, 22, the series takes a completely different tonal shift. I won't spoil it for those who, who want to watch it, but... It's one of those that catches you completely off guard because 20 episodes in and you think, well, the narrative's pretty well established, and then they just flip it 180. Have you heard of... uh, It was something like Cute Earth Defense Club... Defense Club love or something it was this group of guys that turn into magical girls essentially no i haven't it was it ran a couple years back i think i started it 
and just kind of lost interest. But you might find it interesting. I'll I'll find the link for it and uh, send it to you later. Sure. Yeah. So, what was your favorite live action adaptation to an anime? Because generally they're terrible. Um, I don't know. I would have to say, oh, duh, the Rurouni Kenshin movies mm. were really, really good. Um, the main, I only watched the first one because that was the only one I knew w- was out for a really long time. But the main actor for Kenshin was really good at capturing kind of the more gentle side of him as well as the, you know, warrior side. It was a little bit more serious from the get-go in the movie, but rather than the anime, which is, you know, he shows up, he gets attacked by Karu and falls into a bunch of buckets type thing. But I thought it was a really good movie and adaptation overall. That is about the only live-action adaptation I've been able to finish all the way through. Even Fullmetal Alchemist had... It looked good, but there were some serious flaws in the narrative because they were trying to compress so much in an hour and a half. Uh, The Death Note one, I took a gander, and about the time that I had Nat Wolf screaming like a little girl in my ears, I was laughing hysterically and decided it wasn't the movie for me. One whether they learn that their actions have consequences, right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. My favorite adaptation was Initial D. Um, I watched that oh, probably about two months ago, the adaptation for mm. that. The ending was super weird. Very, very non-traditional, what we expect here in the West, where the protagonist of the movie doesn't get the girl, but completely just shucks her off. And she ends up in this weird relationship where she's got a sugar daddy type deal going on while trying to date him. And he finds out about the sugar daddy and instead of being like, don't worry, I'll love you forever, he's just like, nah, man, I'm out, and leaves. <laughs> and it's very, very different than the, the traditional um, narrative that usually goes through. So I really, really like that twist at the end. But it was yeah. super weird the way they did it with the, the camera angles and what they were trying to do. Just mm-hmm. really strange. But good movie. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of... Well, first of all, have you ever heard of Detective Conan? Yeah. So they came out with this live action series, but it's not of the actual plots of Conan. It's while Shinichi is still a high schooler and he has to solve these cases as a high schooler. Mm. I think I watched maybe a couple minutes of it and I meant to finish it, but I don't, for whatever reason, I just forgot. 
personally, if they were to do anything like that, I think that would be the way to go. Doing prologues, epilogues, what have you. Gotcha. So what's your favorite genre of anime? Like what's your favorite narrative scope or, or art style or, or what have you? Um, it's not exactly a genre, but I tend to like really character-driven narratives. So I don't, I don't mind the more slice of life shows. Uh, for example, Natsume Yujin Show, or Natsume's Book of Friends, is one of my favorite animes. I don't know if it would be my favorite. Mm-hmm. That one tends to be very episodic. It's more about developing the characters and having them have these specific quiet moments due to their interactions. There is a supernatural element to that, but it's almost just a backdrop. It's not the... Mm. It's it's the focus, but it's not, if that makes sense. Right. Or um, I know... Earlier this semester, I was raving about Love is Hard for an Otaku. Yeah. That one is definitely slice of life. (laughs) Nothing really happens in it, (laughs) except for these characters get together. But it is really interesting to see how they change over the course of 11 episodes. Right. I started watching something like that. It was kind of a parody on the fantasy hero type narrative mm-hmm. except the main bad guy who would who would show up the main antagonist he was already defeated by someone else so mm-hmm. since they can't become heroes they just get day jobs <laughs> and so there's all these like, super professional heroes with all these incredible powers and they're just trying to sell stuff at a convenience store and so it, it's pretty interesting that's fantastic It reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you ever saw those shorts of Fate's Day, where they had just the characters making food. You know, actually, I haven't seen a lot of Fate's Day. I watched Fate's Day Night, I believe, but and the original Fate's Day. Which one? There's so there's Unlimited Blade Works, and that's with the male archer. It might have been Unlimited. Blade Works, I think. It's um, been a while. That one had... Shoot, what's her name? The the girl with the dark hair. Yep, yep, name. that was the one. She was the main girl, and then... But there was also... What's... What's the one girl's name? The blonde? I know who you're talking about, but I can't place the name. I know who she is but I don't want to say it because it might be spoilers. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, the same reason I couldn't get behind the Fate Stay series was the recycling of the characters. Like, it's a good narrative and all yeah. overall. It's just they're completely different narratives at points from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And it's the same reason why I couldn't get behind American Horror Story 2. Though that's not an anime, but... Mm. Just the reusing of characters and putting them in different roles and, and whatnot, it makes it confusing when you're trying to think about it. Yeah. Or confusing for me, at least. 
mild spoiler. I'll give you a second. There's like so many different Shiro's with a main character. I think the slightest one who appeared is just a background character, which I find interesting because he's technically the player character, but I don't know. According to my friend, who's kind of more into the Fates Day series, well, do you know the spoiler about Archer? I don't, but by all okay. means. So, Archer is Shiro Emiya after he becomes a hero, but he's become disillusioned about it, and that's why he hates Shiro mm. because of the way the Grail works, and it essentially time has no meaning for these heroes. Right. But it's also why in Unlimited Blade Works, they specifically set up the fact that Shiro used to be in the archery club and was really good at it. Gotcha. You you should watch um, the abridged series. It's really funny. The abridged series. I I do like the abridged series for a lot uh, of the animes. I watched the Dragon Ball Z abridged. There was a new one that just came out too, a new abridged series. I forget what it's for though. I can't remember what it was. Shoot. There there are just like all these different meta jokes that once you know that spoiler, mm-hmm. you just start watching the <laughs> you see those jokes and you, you get them but other people might not and that right. makes it funnier um, also Shiro is voiced by the guy who voiced Kirito in Sword Art Online Abridged really? which is very interesting um, the people who made Sword Art Online Abridged also are making My Hero Academia Abridged there's only been, I think, one episode of that, and um can't remember his name, but Kirito also voices Deku, and that one's really weird. I would imagine so. Yeah. Because, you know, he has that kind of nerdy, nerdy voice, which fits Deku, but it's not at all what you envision, especially just coming off of Kirito. Right. Who is a word we cannot say in this podcast, according to FCC guidelines. <laughs> so, with the original Sword Art Online, did you... I know people are really split about that series. They either are super fans of it, and I mean super fans, like they'll cosplay it every chance they get, or they tend to dislike it and they actually prefer other types of that uh, genre over Sword Art Online. Like Hog Horizon, for instance, was a great contender for a long time mm-hmm. to Sword Art. Well, when I first watched it, I was when it was first coming out. So, kind of every day before school, I would watch kind of an episode of Sao. Um, and I can't say it was my favorite, but I didn't dislike it. But then I watched this guy named Digibro. Well, specifically, a friend sent me his videos. And he had also liked the uh, um, Sword Art Online. But he also knew that it was a very flawed series. So he sent me that Digibro's 
Um, it can't be called a critique, per se. He uses a specific word, but essentially it's just this entire long-form essay, multi-part, about how terrible SAO is. <laughs> and he makes a lot of good points, specifically about the animation, the plot, mm -hmm. um, the fact that what you get in the very beginning is so not what you get at the end. Right. But. Yeah, I like that series right up until the second season. Well, that's not entirely true. I liked it up until Gungale. I started on line two. Mm. And then once Gungale, since then, I know they're streaming on another rendition of that right now after Gungale online. I'm not sure if it's a prequel or a sequel. I haven't even looked at it. Oh, the um, spinoff. Yeah, the spinoff. Yeah. And I couldn't touch it after that. I thought the games that came from it, I played a little bit of the Gungale online, the, the game for the PlayStation 4. And I did enjoy the games. Mm -hmm. The games were pretty nice. But the the anime itself just did not sit well with me. I was more of a Lock Horizon fan personally. But there's uh, several other ones that have come out since that I think do a much better job within that um, traveling to a video game world yeah. or getting stuck in a video game. For instance, Overlord. <laughs> yeah. So. That one's been on my list forever. Um, I... I also liked Log Horizon. That is definitely one I need to rewatch because I kind of got bored halfway through the second season. Same. Because, partially because I was a really dumb high schooler, but I think I really should give it another chance. But also, Overlord, Rising of the Shield Hero. I could just watch Spirited Away again. Yeah. That counts as an isekai. Really? Mm-hmm. Because... Mm. Well, there's like the Alice in Wonderland type mm -hmm. feel. Alice in Wonderland is an isekai. Interesting. That's that's why there's so many different um, different uses of the Alice in Wonderland tropes throughout anime. If you watch Pandora Hearts, mm -hmm. for example, or Alice in the Land of Hearts, Clover, whatever. You right. There, that's all Alice in Wonder Wonderland themed. Interesting. Cannot, on good conscience, recommend Pandora Hearts, by the way. Really? I really liked it. But it's a very flawed series. So the uh, basically the premise is, um, I think it's on his 14th birthday, mm -hmm. this guy named Oz is supposed to have his coming of age ceremony, and there's this... You know, it's Victorian era, so they're in a church or something. Right. And in the middle of it, this the group of people in these robes show up and essentially say, tell him that his sin is his very existence and banish him to this thing called the Abyss, which essentially looks like this twisted toy box. And he, there are these things called chains. So there are legal contractors who can just use their chains however they want. Essentially, there's some certain limitations. I don't know that they're as powerful. Um, and those tend to get kind of, those are looked on with kind of admiration 
because they're tools. But then there are illegal contractors who are forbidden because after a certain point, uh, you'll get dragged back down into the abyss mm. with, with your chain. And there's this little symbol on your chest that acts as a clock to tell you how long you have until you're dragged back into the gotcha. abyss. Gotcha. So is a chain kind of like a, a magic resource, like a grimoire, or is it more like a... It's like, like a persona. Like a persona? So kind of like how in a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, they yes. have the, Yeah, one of like those. Like a stand. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I haven't... I've seen JoJo's. I haven't seen to the part where the stands show up. That's where most people usually so. hit or miss. I know a lot of people dropped off once the stands were introduced. Well, my friend had me skip most of the first part <sighs> and just into... I'm sorry, just John. We were watching it in the English dub, and I, I'm traditionally an English dubber, so it's not their voice acting that bothers me, but Johnny Young Bosch with a British accent was just a nightmare. Especially whenever he said the dog's name at the beginning, it was terrible. <laughs> um, but then, so the second part with it's Joseph Joestar who's the second one. Yeah, I think so. He has the same voice actor as Nigel Uno from Kids Next Door. And once you hear that, you can never unhear it because it's the same kind of British accent. We're sorry to our listeners, by the way, for mentioning, just in case we ruined that for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's... That's the problem with if anyone watches anime with me is that I'll be sitting there and I'll be looking up the the voice actors and the various things. And throughout, I'll be talking and say, oh, that character is this person. That character voiced this person, especially if I don't think that the my, my friend watching it with me knows who that person is. Right. So... The uh, Rising of the Shield here you mentioned before actually just got all of its episodes up to date with dub. So that's really cool. And I've I've actually listened through the majority of all of the episodes that are out currently in both the sub and the dub. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those animes, you know how sometimes you get really, really bad dub animes in yes. comparison to the subs? It's actually pretty good, uh, pretty decent. There are some instances within that where the dub is a little bit cringy. I want to say, mm-hmm. after you watch it in sub. But they also do something else that's really interesting within the dub, and that is they add more lines of dialogue where there weren't any in the sub. That's interesting. And I think, I would have to rewatch it, but I think that they also add some more uh, noise, background noise, in certain scenes. Mm-hmm. So in scene number, episode number four, Lullaby at Dawn, that was released. There's a scene where protagonist is standing about to go into a duel not too much spoilers so it's it's, if you watch it it's not spoiling anything but in the dub version you can hear the chatter of the crowd that is going to watch the duel Mm. but in the sub version i don't ever remember hearing that it was more silent so there was no background chatter from a crowd in that scene Interesting. None that I remember anyway. I'd have to go rewatch it, but it was at least more noticeable within the dub. Mm-hmm. Fun fact in the dub, Xander Mobis is the spear hero. 
So he was the English voice actor for Joker for Persona 5, mm. as well as Master Hand and Crazy Hand in Super Smash Bros. Really? Interesting. Mm. Interesting. So I got to ask, I know this isn't exactly anime, but are you excited for Joker on uh, Smash release? Yes. Now that I have my piranha plant safely, safely in my hands, I can now be properly excited for my boy. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Have you seen Persona 5, the animation? I have not. I want to. I would say don't. Really? Why is that? It's just not good. <laughs> That's a good reason oh. for to not recommend it. Well, I have to admit my own bias. I am fully on board the Akira Kursu name for Joker, and they changed it to Ren Amamiya. Their prerogative. I can't help that. But then they tried to do certain shots exactly the same way. Mm. So, for example, the all-out attack in Persona 5. They copied, but copied worse. Mm. So if you can have the two shots side by side, and they're laid out the exact same way. But the video game looks so much better. If you want to watch a really good... Well, I haven't played the... Persona 4, but Persona 4, the animation, I thought was very good. Gotcha. Especially because it still had some some thematic elements within the meta. I can't say commentary. Just so they, the antagonist and the protagonist are both voiced by the same person, which I thought was very interesting. And it, it plays mo a lot more with Jungian themes, which I know you'll like. Yes. I'm a fan of my boy, Jung. <laughs> so you could argue, because technically, officially, in the, the game, you never see the protagonist's shadow, and you have to accept the shadow to get um, your persona. You could argue that the antagonist is the protagonist's shadow. Mm, that's really cool. Mm. I That's one thing I really did like about the Persona games. I know Persona 4 was huge. That's the one that I'm most familiar with. I mm -hmm. haven't played any of them myself. But in watching that, a lot of that has to do with um, notions that Jung dealt with, especially with the archetypes and the integration of, for instance, in this case, the shadow within to the self. Mm -hmm. So very, very interesting. Yeah. I watched this, it was this live stream for New Year's, analyzing the themes and philosophy of um, Persona, and I was really actually disappointed that they didn't delve much into Persona 5, sorry, Persona 4, and they kind of said that overall the the Persona games were supposed to be Getting rid of your mask, essentially. Like mm -hmm. Killing the part of you that are that's holding you back or tearing off the facade that you've been sh hiding your true self from others. So that would be three and five, respectively. Because in three, you know, you shoot yourself. In five, you tear off your mask. So kind of the opposite of a persona. Like the anti-persona of the personas. Yeah, kind of. Whereas in four... 
it almost feels anticlimactic because you just crush a tarot card. But the rest of the game deals a lot more with what Jung was talking about, where the integration of the shadow, um, what happens if you don't, mm -hmm. and how how that affects you. Um, some more of the collective unconscious, um, things like that. Yeah, very interesting. Is so what? platforms was persona 4 available on uh ps4 and i believe it's coming out on the switch really cool yeah i well, did see wait. something for uh that no maybe that was just for smash bros that joker was mm, yeah you're right that that was rumors those were rumors those were rumors mm -hmm. for that but you can sorry you can get um you can get it for vita mm -hmm. as well as ps3 and ooh yeah, I've got a PlayStation Vita. PlayStation so 3, I meant as well as Persona 3. There are too many acronyms in video games right now. Yeah. Let's see. There's something else I was thinking about. Oh, speaking of Phantom Thieves, have you seen... The anime is called Magic Kaido. I think the manga is called Kaido Kid. I've heard of it, I think. I would probably have to see... The art mm -hmm. to, to place it. Yeah. It's uh, same universe as Detective Conan. Gotcha. Wait, um, is it like short kid glasses? Who's That's Conan, yes. That's Conan. And then what's the name of the one you're talking about? Kaito. Kaito. No. It sounds super familiar. There was... Is he a thief? Yes. Is he a magician thief? Yes. Yes, I've seen it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. I did watch that. That was good. I liked it. Yeah. I really want more of that one. Same. But so the problem is, is that uh, detective both Detective Conan and Magic Kaido are both on hiatus. But the anime for Conan has continued. Nothing has happened with Kaido. Mm. And personally, I would rather read about a thief trying to figure out what happened, who killed his dad, right? rather than just a detective trying to turn himself normal again. Right. But what would be really interesting is if they finally converged, and because there are theories that the two organizations that caused the problems in both series are the same organization. And by theories, I mean it's probably fact. I just have not checked it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched that. I recently watched something that was kind of in the same ballpark thematically. I can't remember the name of it. I, man, I'm just spacing out with these names today. It was a TV series. Or not a TV series, a, a TV a movie um, that take made in the 90s, I believe. Was it Lupin the Third? Possibly. Did it have... Like he was a thief that stole money from a casino and turns out to be all counterfeit, so he wants to find out the counterfeit money and he ends up going to a kingdom and falls in love with Don't the princess. Don't spoil it because it might be in my queue. Um, That's was old, it like first 10 minutes. A very old... 
old-fashioned style, kind of with rounder heads. Yes. He has short, very short hair. Yep, yep. Yep, that's Lupin the Third. Yep, Lupin the Third. Which I'm very excited about. Not only because that movie was directed by Miyazaki of ah. Studio Ghibli fame. That explains why I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. So the story of Lupin the Third, which we don't get in the movie, I don't think, mm-hmm. having not watched it, is that he's the grandson of the thief Arsene Lupin, which fans of Persona might recognize the name Arsene from the Persona, which is a direct uh, allusion to Arsene Lupin. So he was this... He was essentially the first gentleman thief Mm. uh, in France. So anything, any stories we have of Arsene Lupin are all translations. Did he have any relations to the LeBlanc? Yes, he was, it was written by LeBlanc. Gotcha. Uh, which yeah. is why the cafe in Persona 5 is called LeBlanc. Mm, makes sense, makes sense. Also, the in League of Legends, again, the illusionist character named, rightly so, LeBlanc, is also an illusion to the same. So. That's fantastic. I do have to make the clarification that I did not get into Persona 5 because of the other Persona games. I got into Persona 5 because of the thievery elements. Mm. Because uh, I was doing research for a side project, which I've we've talked about before, and needed some more thief research, and that came up as a suggestion. So. Mm. Which gave me a couple ideas, but ultimately wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Have you ever watched Leverage? Yes. So the gentleman thief from there, have you you yes. gotten to that part? So you know uh, the blonde chick? Yeah, Parker. Parker, yes. Her mentor? Yes, I can't remember his name. Oh, it's been so long since I watched it. I'm so angry that Netflix took that off. Especially because they took it off right when I started my project. <laughs> when I had plans to use it as this resource, but I now I don't have it. And the friends that had the DVD copies were no longer friends anymore. Oof. So, yeah. That's another genre of anime that I really like. I do like that gentleman thief uh, type. Mm-hmm. Or the manipulation type animes. For instance, uh, Code Geass, one of my all-time favorites in mm-hmm. anime. It, it has to be right up there with Brotherhood. Although there there's quite a few contenders that aren't in the same genre. For instance, I also like the Ancient Magnus Bride or Ancient oh, Magus yes. Bride. I always forget that one exists, but that one's so beautiful. I'm just doing a sound check. Don't worry. Gotcha. But... That one is essentially the Western version of Natsume Yuchincho, which I think we've discussed before. But for whatever listeners we may have, they both deal with the supernatural, dealing with supernatural creatures on a daily basis. The difference is primarily that Ancient Magus Bride deals with the Western English mythology. So you have the Fae, you have the the courts essentially if you've read Midsummer's Night Dream you know the types of creatures they're going to be dealing with for the most part whereas 
Natsume Yuchincho is primarily Japan. So you're dealing with yokai, you're dealing with the kappa, the tengu. Um, I don't think you have those umbrella spirits that I'm very fond of, but... Right. I think there is a little cup spirit at some point, though. I'd have to rewatch it to find the cup spirit. Maybe that's uh, a game you guys can play. Watch it for the... Try to spot the cup spirit. (laughs) It was only in one episode, and it had a very minor part, but... Ancient Mattress Bride is also a lot darker. Mm -hmm. So, you're used to Natsume... You might want to exercise t- caution when going to Ancient Magic Spread. So do you prefer darker tone animes or do you prefer a uh, lighter, upbeat anime? Um, I think more upbeat primarily because if I'm watching something, I don't want to be you know, depressed. That's why I go for my Korean soap operas for. Mm. But, well, also, I just, as a whole, I just like cute character interactions. Right. If if that was all a show was, I would totally go for that. But that being said, that doesn't mean I don't watch darker anime. So I have Castlevania on my list right Mm. now. Love that series. Trinity Blood was an early one that I started, was really into Pandora Hearts, as you might have inferred, very dark, to the point where my friend saw the opening scene and she was concerned (laughs) because it very much looks like a cult of some sort. Not that it isn't. Um... don't think Inu Expoku counts because the anime wasn't dark. By the time where they cut it off mm-hmm. was I, th- I think the light and fluffy character moments up until that point. And after that, which the anime doesn't touch, spoilers, everyone dies. <laughs> or if they don't die, they have to deal with the reincarnations of their friends who don't who aren't the same person. Oof. So there is the main couple that doesn't get together. Yeah, there's a certain level of dark that I prefer in my, my animes. Um, I really enjoyed... Uh, ooh. It's not... Steinsgate? Mm, no, not that anime. Uh, oh my goodness, what is it called? Not kill la kill. Kamiga kill. Right. Kamiga kill, I thought was fantastic. Despite everybody dying. But it, it did a real good job because it switched the general premise of there's a distinguishable good guy and a distinguishable bad guy. Mm-hmm. And there was a dis- distinguishable bad guy. But more so, who you had to fight had good intentions. So both sides had families, and they showed that particular side. They had the the best interest of the kingdom in mind, and they had that um, shown as well. 
and whether they were a part of the rebellion or they were part of the uh, kingdom's forces, the characters that you saw interact were genuine characters. They 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 were complex. Both of them had their uh, benefits and their deficits on either side. And spoiler alert, they all die, and I loved it. I thought it was a great way to do it. I, I really like that darker notion. At the same time, I don't like hopelessness, right? So there was a in um, Kamen Got Kill, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kamen Got Kill. Um, there is still the notion that their deaths aren't in vain, for the most part. I mean, there was one or two people that died completely pointlessly, but that something was still accomplished in the end after all that bloodshed. Where Grave of the Fireflies, for instance, another movie by Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. is just completely a train wreck. It's it's a good movie, but it's so sad. There's n- it's completely hopeless. Spoiler alert! <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's literally on the list of <clears throat> anime with the saddest deaths of all time. That's what uh, Anime Crimes Division made fun of in its second season. Yep. <laughs> If you want to know how you get ghosts, watch Grave of the Fireflies, because that's how you get ghosts. Oh, yeah. I had issues with A Comic I Kill's ending. Primary, well, sort of. I, I guess we're going to really delve into spoiler territory here. So, there, there's the, snal- the small nitpick of the fact that as soon as someone was... Like their backstory started to like be expanded upon, you knew they were going to die mm-hmm. because the only two who survive are the rebellion general and Akame, both of whom you know essentially nothing about other than the Akame has a uh, had a younger sister and the general um, was liked by the green-haired guy. Yeah, who, who I thought was really cool. Uh, but my main nitpick is the fact that I don't think uh, was it Tatsumi? I think so. Okay. I don't think he was actually dead. Mm. I am not convinced that he was actually dead. I think that as death was dumb. He was that he was just unconscious because at that point we had absolutely no verification. Like, no one had checked his body. No one had double, like, checked his pulse, whatever. Mm. I think he was just unconscious, and the Esdeath killed him by accident. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because she was stupid. Because she loved him for some reason? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that and would be the, the plot test. <laughs> that's why... I don't look uh, back on Akame Got Kill very fondly. Right, right. Fair enough, fair enough. So, within Studio Ghibli movies... Uh, I haven't seen them all. Neither have I. But from the ones that you have seen. So which ones have you seen? Okay, let's see. I've seen... Recently... I've seen The Wind Rises, Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Ponyo, 
Secret Life of Arietti. I think that's... No, I have seen Kiki's. What about Mononoke? Yes, I I always forget about Mononoke because I... That was technically the first one I saw to completion, and that was... There, there was an anime night at my library once, and it was Princess Mononoke. We watched some of Natsume. That mm-hmm. was the first time I had seen Natsume. And... Oh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a weird supernatural anime about this vampire. So there's this vampire girl in in a castle, and this guy's on a tour and ends up having, uh, for some reason, having to work with her. But it was just... I remember very it very distinctly because it starts very dark and everything's black and red and it's very mysterious and eerie and then it cuts to the opening which is pink and bubbly and cute and everything a shoujo anime opening normally is mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to dark and eerie and sp- <laughs> whiplash a little bit there yeah <laughs> uh, I can't, this is bothering me that I can't remember what it's called I'm gonna look it up but continue yeah, my, I really, really like Studio Ghibli films for the most part. There, there's a preference that I have. I prefer, um, again, the darker, the darker ones. So, I- excluding Grave of the Fireflies, that goes a little bit too much for me. But my Continue. my favorite anime, I actually have to retract. So. I really, 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 really like Brotherhood. But the favorite style anime, so including the movies, would have to be Princess Mononoke. You just can't beat Ashitaka. Like, possessed by a demon on a redemptive story, and he gets shot through the heart and he still decides that, hey, I'm just going to you know, mosey on out of here. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. Um, but also the Howl's Moving Castle introduced me to one of my favorite genres of music and that are waltzes. I Mm. absolutely love waltzes and Howl's Moving Castle's Merry-Go-Round of Life is right up there with some of my favorite music of all time. And that's also Breath of the Wild's, um, what is his name? can't believe i forgot his name the the uh harpsichord individual it's actually an accordion and mm. the recording oh, of Cass? it Cass, thank you yep so the music that you hear from Cass is actually also in a waltz mm. format but the instrument interestingly enough played by Cass, is a harpsichord which cannot perform the same way that the music actually pr- sounds when he plays it mm-hmm. so what you're actually hearing is a accordion a full-fledged accordion so, and the biggest difference is you might also hear different names of it called uh, a pump box or, or um, the harpsichord is the accordion on one side has a keyboard like a piano. So it has keys. And then on the other side, it has the buttons. Mm-hmm. The harpsichord itself looks like that uh, Peter Pan classical pirate okay. um, looking cylindrical pump box. Um, and all it has is buttons. 
So okay. in order to make the, the chords, as far as I know, um, on the, at least the 16 button, you need to create chords with one hand and then create the melody with the other. But, and I'm not sure about the 32 because the 32 might have built-in chords, but you're not able to play the full range that the accordion can nonetheless because mm. you don't have one direction. One direction changes the key of the note, so as you pump in, it might be uh, sharper or flat. Huh. So it's very different in the way they're constructed. So what Cass actually plays, despite it looking like a harpsichord, is an accordion. An accordion. Interesting. Yep, for sure. Did I ever tell you I was trying to learn merry-go-round of life? No. On piano? But I am glad to say that you are glad to hear that you are because great song. Also, um, a year or so ago, did you go to the, the concert that was held here at Ferris? Um, there was a, a soloist concert that was, or a trio, like a group oh, competition. But there was a group of people, it was a trio, and they played Merry Girl Round of Life on the violin, cello, and I think it was actually a duet. I don't remember the third instrument if it was more than that, but it was a duet. And was it was it a uh, violin, cello. I would assume a vi- viola if that. If we have those, yeah, it's Ferris. Who knows? Yeah, and maybe it was a viola. But anyway, they they did a wonderful job on it mm-hmm. for how much time they've they actually spent practicing. I don't think they had that long, so Interesting. Well, beautiful, beautiful song. I know. Um, last year at the spring concert, there was a saxophone quartet that did the cat bus theme. Really? For that's another one I forgot about. My neighbor Tot- Totoro. I watched that. I didn't. I like the themes in that one. I didn't like the narrative as much. I, I like the idea of the cat bus and of Totoro, but. I, I would argue that Totoro doesn't really have a narrative. Well, I mean, the little girl runs away, doesn't she? Th- yeah, but that's at the very end. <laughs> Details. <laughs> anyway. Back to Mononoke. Mm-hmm. I find, I always find what you say about Princess Mononoke really interesting, because my friend who's been in into anime for a really long time isn't as much of a fan of Mononoke, because she's seeing it as a watered down version of Nasuka because she's focusing on Mononoke herself. Mm. Nasuka's also really good, by the way. You guys mm-hmm. should definitely watch that. Fantastic musical score. Um, and the narrative's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I can see that, kind of. The only issue is that Nasuka, the difference is that Nasuka's a savior, right? Mm-hmm. Nasuka plays the savior complex where she's actually trying to live in peace with the... And, and they, they to be f- to her point... Both of them have an underlying narrative of in harmony with nature. Mm -hmm. And during the time that that Mononoke was made, it was actually slightly political because the parties in the Japanese government at the time were, there was a a big debate whether about going green, essentially. And his argument was essentially that the parties between the industrial uh, workers and the green party, essentially, need to stop 
having the conflict and actually work together Mm -hmm. to get both things done. So on one hand, they needed the economic boom that the industry provided, but conversely, they also needed to stop killing themselves by, you know, deforesting everything and and, and whatnot. And so that's kind of what Mononoke was built in the time of. Now, of course, you can separate the art from the propaganda. And so that's part of the reason why Mononoke has succeeded. Part of the reason why Frozen won't. Um, Because the political message within Frozen, for instance, (sighs) the snowman dude isn't enough to save the movie, unfortunately. Now, Frozen 2 might be really good. You know, I haven't seen what's going on there. But the, the narrative in the original Frozen isn't good. Uh, it's it doesn't fill fulfill the the requirements for the narrative to be uh, have a long life. So it was good in the time. Don't get me wrong. The animation style is great. There was a few good jokes. I really liked the movie when it first came out. But it's not something that people are going to come back to later and watch and be like, you know, this movie's still really great. Yeah. And I feel like it also turned off a bunch of Kingdom Hearts fans when they turned Frozen into the second Antlantica. Mm-hmm. Which I'm really looking forward to. To see Sora be part of Let It Go. <laughs> uh. But getting back to your point about, and your friend's point for that matter, on the Princess Mononoke and Nazca Valley of the Wind, mm. the, the biggest difference there is that there is no redemption for Ashitaka, and he is the main. He's the 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 main focus of Mononoke, not Mononoke. Mm-hmm. It's like the Legend of Zelda isn't actually all that much about Zelda. It's more about the adventure of yeah. Link. Um, but in Nausicaa, Nausicaa is the main character, and her whole thing is she has to remedy the uh, the dissonance between the insects and the people at the same time of saving her own kingdom. Interesting. Where Ashitaka leaves his home village because of a curse to find a redemptive story and fix the problems of the world, not necessarily for his village, but he goes out and finds a problem and then tries to fix it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to Nausicaa where there is a problem that she has to deal with interesting so it's a little bit different narrative where uh, I would classify Nausicaa the redeemer whereas Ashitaka is the hero myth Mm -hmm. yeah I can definitely see that not to diminish either of them they're both great movies and they're both wonderful heroes Mm -hmm. Um, I also like the fact that and, and you see this sometimes with um, more modern heroes. And people are starting to get a little worried about Captain Marvel. Some people are really excited for it. Some people are on the, on the fence. But they don't make Nausicaa anything more than who she already was. Right? They take her development. Um, she's a strong female character. And they decide to play with that. Same with Princess Mononoke. Right? They play on her, her background narrative. And they don't try to take anything outside of the character in isolation. So they don't Mm -hmm. take a trope that was found uh, somewhere else 
and reappropriate it to the character to make a political statement. And that's one thing that I think is really important. They make her a character that happens <coughs> to be female rather than the trope strong female woman right character right and so the most important thing and so my favorite film of all time is v for vendetta Mm -hmm. and part of the reason why i like that movie so much is because the main character is almost completely persona you have very little knowledge as to who he is in fact he has very little knowledge to who he is he's he's a burn victim first off so you have no idea what color his skin is so you have no idea what race he is Mm -hmm. you know that he was raised in a uh, European suburb, uh, uh, not suburb necessarily, but in European culture. And he's about in his 40s or a little older. Beyond that, you know absolutely nothing about his character besides what's revealed in the film and th- that he's male. Um, but besides that, everything else is just up in the air. It's like that's what characters should be. That's how people should feel about characters generally is there is it for, uh, for instance, Nausicaa. Um, her persona should shine through far more. Her character should shine through far more than any visual aspect of the character. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a good story. Mm-hmm. And you, you can test that out for yourself because of if you're reading a book, then it's almost entirely uh, character or persona that you're reading about. And if you like the character, then it's usually about the persona of the character than the aesthetics, more so in books than in media, Mm -hmm. I would argue. Yeah, makes sense. You found that anime. Yes, it is called Moon Phase, or Tsukuyomi, if you want to be a weeaboo. I've seen. Yeah, so what we have here is this cute little um, girl with long hair in pink frills, and she has cat ears, and she's the vampire. I think there was also something with split personalities at one point, but I think that got dropped. Didn't she have an adult form? where there was something that would happen where she'd transform into a, a more adult version of the same character or something? Or am I thinking of a different anime? That sounds familiar. It's common in a lot of vampire tropes where there's small young women and then they turn into busty uh, yeah. adult women. I just I remember that she had a split personality and there was something with the guy where his spiritual power was sealed and that's why he couldn't... Like, he... W- like you know that feeling that you get if you walk into a room and just there's something weird about it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that. Like he walked, like you might be off, like unsettled by something, and he just looks at you like you're crazy and w- continues walking. So he's completely oblivious. Yes, gotcha. You know, as normal anime protagonists are. Right. I would like a um, analysis sometime. Who's dumber? A shonen anime protagonist or a early two thousands Korean drama protagonist? <laughs> that would be quite the analysis. I would I like to see that too. Actually, that sounds entertaining. So, we should address the elephant in the room: Avatar, Avatar: The Last Airbender, anime. 
Not anime. I don't think it's anime. Personally. I think it's a wonderful cartoon. However, Korra the Last Airbender. Or no, <laughs> Korra, the Legend of Korra. My bad. The Legend of Korra. I would classify more in the anime art style. But there's a distinctive art style that has to take... That, that's there. Where the Avatar characters... Zuko and there there are some characters that I would classify in the original Avatar as anime style like uh, depicted but Aang uh, Katara Sokka and Sokka I would not classify as anime styled they're very round right right but then you get to the Fire Nation and a lot of that I actually would classify as anime styled. It's because the Fire Nation was based off a mixture of Japan and um, India. Mm. So, oh, I can't remember what. Oh, Sanskrit. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, Sanskrit's called. I was wrong when I told you it was Hindu before. But, but yeah, that, that, that notion there i can't classify the entire series as an anime because of that however within uh the legend of korra mm-hmm. it does take that transition and everything becomes a little bit more in line with the rest of the style right right mm-hmm. and i didn't really much like korra the legend of korra i thought some of the enemies and some of the arcs were interesting but that's one of the examples of where the character's individual niche pieces of their character Mm -hmm. become overbearing and end up consuming the character. So she ends up, in in my opinion, becoming more of an ideologue than a developer persona. I watched all of 10 seconds of Korra, so I cannot agree or disagree, but I, from what little I've heard, I am inclined to agree. I also agree that Avatar is not an anime, but I differ with you for the reasons why. Really? Why is that? I'm a purist. (laughs) If the studio producing it is not Japanese, it's not anime. That's why I don't believe Ruby is an anime. It is anime-esque, but it is not anime. That's why, despite like Avatar and Steven Universe both being in animated in Korea mm-hmm. by Korean studios, they were produced by Americans. So I will not call them anime. Gotcha, gotcha. I would actually, I would actually have to agree with your assessment on Ruby as well. I wouldn't call that an anime. It's made in Texas, guys. It's yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do like Monte's, Monty. uh, Monty's, um, what he had written down. Now, where the story's going more currently, uh, I've got my gripes about it, but I do think that the original, at least three seasons that I've watched mm-hmm. to completion are really, really good. The animation style work, obviously, it, it's cringy if you go back and watch it now. They used what technology they had at the time and that's part of the problem always with CGI is 
and that and that animation style is it doesn't hold up to the test of time very well and you see that with a lot of older movies too you can go back and you see the cgi animation for a ton of movies and it's like that's that really doesn't look good at all in fact a lot of commentators more recently look back and are, are actually worried about that too with how a lot of current media is trying to produce a lot of CGI mm-hmm. for stuff like Spider-Man's outfit, um, Iron Man's skin tight, Iron Suit, Infinity War. And the projective notion for the next 10 years is that we're going to look back in 10 years and be Seriously. kind of disgusted and, and it's going to be super cringy. Yeah. I can't say I don't like the original Ruby style, but I think that's 50% nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But I thought Volume 3 was... Animation-wise, I think it was my favorite. Yep. Because it was where the fighting was the most on point. Yep. While the um, use of Poser was also... It just looked very... Good, yeah. Especially in compared to the earlier seasons. That's not to say that the character models in Volume Four and on don't look good. It's just it doesn't have that same feel. Like it almost feels like an entirely different show. Yeah. It's like you're watching Berserk. Twenty eighteen, I think it was. Ugh, it's terrible. Have you seen the trailer for Ginlock that Rooster Teeth is also producing? I watched a reaction video to the first episode. It was too colorful for my taste. What was the uh, what was your gander on it? I had no opinion. I, w- I wasn't really interested in watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, the person who was watching it the entire time, he was asking where the mechas were. That could be a meme on its own. Right? Where are the mechas? <laughs> uh, mind, this was a 20-minute video, and I think he said it about 20 times in the video. Not because he... Not because he knew he wasn't being repetitive. Let me rephrase that. Not because he didn't know he was being repetitive. More of he was just so bored while watching it that he just wanted the mechas. Because... Uh, a lot of the earlier episode was a lot more character-based. Right. But but we're not talking about anime anymore. Eh, sort of. It's I will still falls into that same uh, genre. Animation. Yeah, animation style. But we should think about wrapping up a little bit. Yes. So what would you like to talk about? next week when we come in we should probably uh actually watch an anime right let's let's choose one um that's we can commentate on the the first episode of something if we want to watch something in tandem or uh the first couple of episodes of something that we've already uh, watched um i personally have no preference no preference uh your thoughts well, I would like to cover, at some point within this uh, podcast, the Rising of the Shield hero. And part of that is because of the narrative and the what's going on culturally now. It's relevant. Mm-hmm. And some of the, fla- the flack that it's received from particular fan bases. 
and how the author of that responded to. The way that the anime itself is being uh, carried forth. Mm-hmm. And right now it's within a manageable um, number of episodes. I believe yep. there's six out currently. Mm-hmm. And so while it's still fresh and young and not 23 episodes long, uh, if we want to, we could discuss that. Okay. Also, we could just discuss one episode at a time. You're right. So. We, let's plan on that for next week. I think at some point we should talk about anime with deceptively bad, deceptively bad titles. Deceptively bad titles? like Or titles that one does not expect to like the anime as much as one does. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you even wanted to just broaden that even further, just anime that you were surprised you liked. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more of a broad sense discussion than yeah. about. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. I'll just write that down. And I think we'll call it there. Okie doke. Right, thanks for listening, guys. If you still are, we talked for like an hour longer than we intended to. But that's okay. Any last thoughts? I don't think. <laughs> no. It's uh, been a pleasure talking, as always. It's yeah. Ben Denzer. <laughs> and Anna. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>